You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Now, if you and I walked into the church in Corinth, Greece, 53 AD, the very year that Paul wrote them a letter and it was about to be read to them in their public gathering. News would have gotten around that Paul's letter is going to be read this week. Every person would have been there. Why do I say that only you and I could go? Because there wouldn't be room for the rest of us. Do you know what? For the first 300 years, the church did not even meet in buildings because they were persecuted. It was sort of an underground movement. Do you know where they met? They met in whatever Christian came to Jesus and they had the largest room in their house. Excavations show us that houses of that time had a maximum capacity for between 50 to 160 people in the rooms, okay? And so that's why only you and I could go. Dr. Van was in the service uh, earlier today, and I remember when he and I were teaching and coaching people who have um, uh, vocal gifts in the body, and, and he said to them, and i never forgotten it, he said, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote Corinthians, never could have imagined people gathering in a 2,000-seat auditorium. Because for 300 years, the church didn't, they just met in homes. And the temple courts in Jerusalem, in larger crowds, rented facilities when they did an outreach, you hear, read about that in the book of Acts, but generally it was in, in homes. And so that's why you and I only could go, all right? And let's say you and I walked in to that church service on Sunday in Corinth. We would have noticed certain things. How do we know what we would have noticed? Because in his letter, he deals with them all. He, he, he deals with six shuns, six shuns. The first one is David. Shun. You got it, all right? Division, because you go over to one group and they're in a clique and they're playing the game, who's your favorite pastor? You go over to another group and it's all about humiliation. You got it now, because at one table they're eating lasagna and the other table they're eating no-name macaroni and cheese. One they're eating curried chicken and roti, the other one they're eating bologna sandwiches. One, they're eating Peking duck. The other one, they're eating absolutely nothing. How do I know that? Because by the time he gets to chapter 11, verse 22, and I quote the Apostle Paul, he says, don't you people have homes to eat in? You're despising the church of God and you're humiliating those who have nothing. This wasn't even a potluck or pot blessing supper. It was called an agape feast, but really it was just humiliating people who didn't have the resources to have good food to bring for lunch. All right, so division, humiliation. The next one is extreme shun. You say, that's not a word. I know, but it ends with shun. All right, they had a premature lawsuit. They had uh, damaging immorality happening. They had women who were exploiting their newfound freedom, throwing their hats in the air in a culture where you were an immoral woman if your head was uncovered. They had this all kinds of extremism happening. And then there was self-exaltation because they had the gifts of the Spirit, but they were not using them as tools to help one another. They were trophies to be admired by others, or worse yet, they were toys to be played with. The fifth shun confusion. (laughs) Paul said it was so bad that when people come to the kind of church service you guys are having, he said that people will come among you who don't know Jesus and they will say, you are out of your mind. 
He says that twice in 1 Corinthians 14. And then the last shun that they had was tongues fixation. Yeah, and they had it bad. Tongues fixation. And so the Apostle Paul says, let me give you three guidelines. Now, when I saw these and studied them for you this past week, watch this. I realized that if, they had a, if the church in Corinth had to follow these three guidelines, they would have been able to shun every shun. There'd be no shuns in that church. All right? Let's have no shuns in our church. All right. First one is this. Contribute for the edification of others. It's not about you. It's about contributing for the edification of others. Listen to how he says it. He says, you've all got a contribution. You're meeting in this small group. You're meeting in this house, church. And, and, and you come together, brothers and sisters. Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, tongue, or interpretation. Say it aloud together with me. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. That's why. Contribute, not what you want, but contribute what edifies others. And I love the way, Pastor Jonathan, that Agent Court Church does that. There's just the, the prevailing attitude of this church is, God, it's not just about me. It's how can I help others in my church family? We love that attitude. Second guideline he gives, confine your private worship to your private worship times. Oh, if only they had followed this. If only they had followed this. The, the Corinthian church was treating their group gathering like just bring your own you know, lunch and eat it yourself and bring your own private worship and do it yourself. It's exactly what they were doing. So he says, now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, if I'm doing my own private worship, what good will I be to you? I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you in my private time, he's talking about. But in the church, in the public gathering, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And then he says this, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like bambinos. Stop thinking like children. You know, there are times, like even this morning at the end of that medley, where it's so beautiful for us to just raise our voices together, just like the Acts Church did in praise to God. Amen? It's sort of like a corporate expression of gratitude. But in those moments, make sure that you don't just sort of quench everybody else praising God by getting really loud, and, 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 then, and then there's just not that beautiful sense of corporate worship where we're expressing gratitude to God together. Because if I, if I go really loud above everybody else, who am I pointing attention to? Myself. Guess where the attention has gone from? Jesus, right? So everything, just glorifying Jesus. It's not time for my private worship. It's time for me to worship together with my church family. And then third, consider the unbeliever and new people. Twice in this chapter, he tells them, about inquirers or unbelievers. Consider them. Inquirers and unbelievers. When they come in, will they not say you are out of your mind? But he also says there's a way to do it where they will say God is really among you. And so we need to consider the unbeliever. Now, Pastor Jonathan and I have talked and prayed together, and our heart is this. As we are giving guidelines and teaching about the gifts, our prayer is that the gifts of the Spirit would be multiplied in our church family. That in your community groups, in the young adults group, 
ladies' timeout, men's, women's groups. It, people wouldn't just think about it, something for the weekend service, when you witness to people, when you meet people in the lobby. Let's be open to the gifts of the Spirit. Now, we'll, we'll be giving instructions so you'll feel it's really safe for me. And, and I'm doing what's biblical. I'm following what the Bible says. But there are times when, for instance, at Easter time, we are going to have uh, an outreach. It, it's a time for the church community to invite people who do not know Jesus. How many know the most important thing that we could ever do together is lead people to their Savior, Jesus Christ, so they can be with Him for all of eternity? Amen? And so that's a time. That's a time where we might say, do you know what? We're not going to be doing prophecies during that three-week series because we're, we're, we, we're, our priority is to reach out to people who do not know Jesus. But we want, we want gifts of the Spirit multiplied in all kinds of gatherings where everybody does know Jesus. Doesn't that make sense? As I read the Apostle Paul, it's exactly the kind of, of guideline that he gives us. He says, you need to be considerate of the unbeliever and the inquirer that comes into your midst. They need to be able to leave and say, God is really among you. So Easter weekend, and then we're going to do a series where you need to uh, be inviting people out from your workplace that you've been witnessing to. It's called Go Ahead and Ask. How many have ever been talking to someone about Jesus and they say, well, how can a loving God ever allow suffering on earth? How can a loving God ever allow people to go to hell, right? Well, we're going to answer those questions during those weeks. Won't that be a great community outreach together? So be inviting people out. Now, this is the last weekend of the conversations about the Holy Spirit series. So our heart is, what are you going to do with what we have learned going forward? We want to see the Holy Spirit work in and through your life as never before. And uh, so let's focus on this. What are some guidelines? Let's say you've learned in the community group, you have a gift. You have a gift. Or you're learning, maybe I do have a gift. How does this even work? Or maybe you have the Holy Spirit prompting you to say something sometimes. How do you know it's really the Holy Spirit? Okay, so let's look at uh, six words that give us six guidelines, and they all begin with A. Some people said to me last night, you were going so fast, I couldn't write everything down. I said, that's all right, watch the podcast, it's free, <laughs> and you'll be able to see it all again as many times as you want. All right, here's the first A. Already be ministering to others. Already be ministering to others. Don't think you're going to come up here for prayer tonight and get a whole bunch of gifts of the Holy Spirit and then you're going to go and use them. It doesn't work that way. Spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit when we're already in a position where we're serving Jesus and doing what he says. All right, let's look at two lists. On this side, we're going to see gifts that we all have. All right, on this side, we're going to see uh, some of us have a gift. Now, did I... On this side, all of us do all of these things. But when we start serving, how many have ever just thought, oh, man, as I serve, I, this is where I can make my contribution. And that's a gift that you have. Others may encourage. Thank God that we all can encourage one another. Amen? You imagine how bad it would be if we, oh, I don't have the gift of encouragement, so I'm not going to say anything nice to you. <laughs> 
No, we all encourage, encourage one another, the Bible says. It's written to every one of us. But some people, whether it's by email or in the lobby or they meet, they just have this gift of encouragement. All right? Give. Watch this. Paul writes to the church. He says, each of you, on the first day of the week, set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. All right? So we all give, but some people have a gift of giving. And it's amazing. You know, the, I think of the seminary outreaches we've had, satellite churches. Often people have come to me and said, Pastor, God's blessed. I want to give. Or it's a global focus weekend. And, and, and they're just, they just, God, I, you've blessed me and entrusted me with resources financially. I want to help extend your kingdom. And they have a gift of giving. And it's beautiful. And it's amazing. How many, how many are glad that we all have some measure of knowledge? How many wonder if we do sometimes? Anyway, we all have knowledge, but some people, as they're speaking and contributing, there's a gift of the word of knowledge that comes. Talk to you more about that in a bit, all right? Have wisdom. How many doubt sometimes human wisdom? But we all have some measure of wisdom, but there's some people that they're in a meeting or they're with someone, and it's like the Holy Spirit just give them, gives them something that they weren't even thinking of, just so wise to say that helps out somebody else. Do you see that? Uh, can pray in tongues. We can all pray in tongues. Not just Paul, but Jude says, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray. So we all can do that on our own, but when we come together, there's sometimes some of us that have tongues that are to be interpreted so that the community or the community group or whatever group we're in can be built up. We all can pray for healing. How many understand if you are sick, you don't just go to someone who has the gift of healing, right? We can pray one for the other that we might be healed in the name of Jesus. Now, some people have a gift of healing. We all are to go and be witnesses, but some people have a gift of evangelism. We just said, see you again to one of the greatest evangelists of, uh, of church history, Billy Graham. He had a gift of evangelism. But how many understand we are all to be witnesses? Amen? So do you understand? So here's how it works. Do you remember that illustration I gave you one time how uh, you cannot steer a car that is parked? If you leave your car in neutral, you can get out there and rev up the engine and go, and steer all you want. You ain't going nowhere. You just look like one of my grandchildren. God cannot steer you unless you are moving. It's when you do this, it's when you do this, you'll suddenly discover, oh, I've, I've got that gift that helps other people. Do you see that? Do you see that? No? You want me to talk about it more? <laughs> All right. Secondly, secondly, always, this will help pick up where we left off, so don't you worry. If you're not with me so far, you're going to get it now. I'm going to tell some stories that show you how it happens. Always be open to glorify Jesus and help others. You know, when you get up in the morning, do you say, I worship you, God, for who you are in my life. I belong to you, Jesus, forever. And Holy Spirit, I surrender to you today. Holy Spirit, good morning. What are you up to today? Because I want to be a part of what you're doing. You know what happens? Your focus is on God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Your focus is not on your gifts. Do you see that? You just want to glorify Jesus. You want to help other people. 
And that's your focus. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit gives you gifts. Watch this. You can be praying for someone on the phone or in church. You know, two of you get together. End of us are in your praying. Could be up here at the front with the prayer team. It, it could be during the week. You're just in your community group and you're praying together. And then suddenly something comes to you and you're thinking, I wasn't thinking about that. But the Holy Spirit can give you discernment or a word of knowledge. Sometimes I'll interrupt a prayer and I'll say to someone, does this make any sense to you? Are you struggling with such and such? Or have you ever considered such and such? I won't say, God just told me. No, 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 no. Because I'm not God. I can get things wrong. So I want to know. So I'll ask gently because I, I don't want to hold back if this indeed is something of God that might help someone. You can be witnessing to someone and then, like, remember I told you that professor at McMaster University, and I went in there not knowing what to say, and the Holy Spirit gave me the words? It works like that. It's just amazing. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit that has given you a gift as you were trying to glorify Jesus and help other people. I, I told you, didn't I, in your community groups about a time where I was in a meeting in my office here, and it reached sort of an impasse. This person wasn't owning their stuff, and it was hurting some people in the church, and we were trying to just help them with grace and forgiveness and love just move forward and truth. And uh, it, they just weren't owning their stuff. And tell Elihu Clark, I don't know whether he was on the deacon board or an elder at that time, uh, I just, uh, with the family, uh, celebrated his homegoing funeral service just a few months ago. But he was in that meeting, and, he just, and it just sort of reached sort of a logjam or an impasse until he just suddenly just said, do you know what we need to consider here is such and such? And you know what? You could just sense the Holy Spirit in that room. The logjam broke. That person got some help. They owned their stuff. The truth set them free. And areas that they had been holding back were able to move forward. How many are thankful for the word of wisdom that could be given? You can be in a meeting in the Holy Spirit. You're not looking. You're not saying, okay, give me a word of wisdom. I need one. No, no, no. You're just using. You're just trying to help. And the Holy Spirit comes and gives you gifts. You know, here, let me illustrate. How many know I like building things? How many know I got a cottage up north that I hope to have finished before Jesus returns as long as he doesn't come back anytime soon? All right? Right? I love building things. So let's say Esther gets me a gift for Christmas. Hint, hint. Let's say she gets me an 18-volt uh, Milwaukee cordless hammer drill for Christmas. And then she says to me, honey, I'm getting uh, Christmas dinner together. Can you open this jar for me? I sure can, lady. You know, and I get over there with my hammer deal. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm letting, I'm, I'm saying, I've got these tools. I've got these gifts now that have been given to me. I want to use them. Bah, wrong answer. <laughs> no, no. You go and you serve. You go and you serve. And then the Holy Spirit gives tools to do the job. Do you see the difference? You see, we always must make sure the Holy Spirit initiates. I remember uh, speaking Pastor Jonathan to a group of pastors in Western Canada, and God gave us two wonderful days together. And we, they didn't want it to end. And um, just before I was to leave to catch my airplane to come back to Toronto, they said, why don't we gather around Pastor Keith? Maybe the Holy Spirit will give us a word for him. And they gathered around me. It got awkward. It got tense. Finally, someone blubbered out some, you know, God bless us all, you know, kind of a thing. 
What was wrong with that? They, they put the Holy Spirit in a corner. They, had they just been praying, how many know the Holy Spirit may have given a word? Do you see that? Go ahead and glorify Jesus and minister to people. Don't try and tell the Holy Spirit what he's going to do. Let him bring it about when it's of him. So we need to be so very, very careful. How do you know that prompting? Have, have you ever fished before? Have you ever caught a log? And you start, to and then you realize there's no sensation there. There's a difference between a log and a fish, isn't there? Here's something I can say. If you feel really strongly about something and you have a strong conviction and you're worked up about something, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to us when we're a place of shalom, a place of peace. We say, God, I only want to say this if it's of you. I only want to go and speak to a person if you are in it. Is this the right thing to do? I surrender to you, Holy Spirit. I've learned, I'm the cautious type, so I've learned to sort of check it out with the Lord. In, uh, I was a young pastor, well, which means it wasn't that long ago, I guess. But anyway, I, I was in Edmonton. And I was speaking from Hebrews 10, 25, where it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. I had three wonderful points. They all began with the same letter. It's just a great message. And as I was finishing the message, the Holy Spirit, I, 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 it couldn't have come from anywhere else because it was out of the blue. It said, warn the people about the Unification Church. Warn the people about the Moonies. I didn't even know much about that cult. I knew that they didn't exalt Jesus. They tried to get people to give money. and did, Remember the one that did these mass marriages and all that? I, I knew a few things. But why? And it just kept coming. I kept trying to end the, end the... So from my studies, I knew the verse before said, let us hold unswervingly to the faith we profess. Unwaveringly to the faith we profess. So I said, and, and, and also if I had a fourth point to this message, it would be this. And I said, because there are cults out there. There's the Unification Church, there the Moonies, there, there are different people. They, they're not about following Jesus. They're trying to get people's money and getting people to follow them. Whew, I'm glad I got that out. You know what I mean? And then I closed the service. Every person in that service went out into the parking lot. And you know how you get those things underneath your windshield wiper in a, in a grocery store parking lot? Every one of them had underneath their windshield wiper an cardboard, you know, this invitation, paper invitation to a conference with the Unification Church in Edmonton. I remember thinking, how did that happen? What was I doing? I was just doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and the Holy Spirit brought it about. See, so many times, I want to make this, I want to help, and Pastor John, it's our heart. Remember we prayed in the screen room at the cottage? God, multiply your gifts. I want you to understand that you are someone that the Holy Spirit can give a gift to when you go out into a new day, and you are glorifying Jesus, and you want to help people. I mean, that's the way most of us get up in the day, but we need to be aware, like that song just was sung, aware of your presence, Lord, aware of your spirit. I, I, I remember when um, Esther's friend, Esther's here this morning, her friend had her mom in the hospital. They were doing tests on her. And so I didn't go because I was the pastor as much as just to help out Esther's friend and just drop by the hospital room. And I had no way of knowing that just before I got there, the doctor had been there with the mother and daughter that Esther knew and, and had told her that she had a terminal disease. She didn't have long to live. And in the mother's, the daughter was there with her mother. In the mom who had just received this diagnosis, 
in her desperation, she just said, oh, I just wish your pastor would walk through the door right now. I walked through the door right now. And they both looked at me. I remember they just going, I've, you know, had I known what I know now, I should have said, fear not. You know, she just walked in, you know, I'm an angel, you know, sent from God. But I didn't know. I didn't know. You say, does that happen to you every day? Yep. Really? Somebody in the balcony, what? Yep, every day, every day. Esther is in the kitchen and she says, oh, I wish my husband would get home from work. I wish he'd walk through that door right now. <laughs> but how, what am I saying? Do you understand? Love Jesus. Glorify him. I want to help people. And then when you go to do that, be open to the Holy Spirit giving you gifts. Amen? All right, now you're with me. Okay, thank you, because we've got four more A's to do, all right? Audience, consider, ask, who is this for? Some people get something revealed to them when they read the Bible, or some truth of God becomes so real to them, it's electric to their soul, and they want everybody to know. And they think it's for everybody. And maybe it's what God is saying to them. So we need to ask when we have a prompting of the Spirit, who's this for? Is this just for me? Or is it for another person? Jesus told us, make a distinction between everybody and going to an individual. Remember he taught about that? Is it for a group? Is it for leadership? Just discern. Paul says, be sensible about these things, these promptings of the Spirit. Is it for uh, your community group? Is it for a church gathering? So we need to ask that question. All right, next one, accountability. The leader has a responsibility. The leader, Pastor Jonathan, has the ultimate responsibility here. No pressure, dude. But he has the, to explain what is happening in a gathering, or as uh, Matt did this morning, explaining what happened in a, a gathering. I guess that was in the 9 o'clock service. Ensure what is happening follows the Bible's guidelines. All right? The leaders have that response. If you're a community group leader, you have a responsibility within your group. Um, Look at how Paul writes to them about this in Corinthians. He says, two or three prophets should speak. That's the leader's responsibility to make sure that it follows that guideline. And the others should, say it aloud together with me, weigh carefully what is said. Because guess whose responsibility that is? Yours. Not just the leader's, it's your responsibility. Because not everything that is said is what God once said. It can be coming through an individual. As a matter of fact, listen to Pastor Bill Morrow, who was in conversation with one of his predecessors, another general superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and listen to how he sort of uh, sorted this out of figuring out who the audience is and how to be accountable. Listen to this. He, he said there were three kinds of mail that came to your house. There was private mail, family mail, and junk mail. Hmm. And he went on to explain, he said that, so for example, in my house, we have a mortgage, we did have a mortgage, we don't know, thankfully, but, but we didn't share the mortgage or the visa bill with our kids. That's not family mail, that's private mail. My right. wife and I did that together. But then we have friends, we got Christmas cards and birthday cards, and we put them on mantles, and we put them somewhere, and we show them to everybody, because that's family mail. Right. And then we get junk mail, we all get that, and we usually put it in a file 13 of some sort or right. another. And he said, that's what the Holy Spirit can be like in a service. He said, a person can speak... And it, it, it may be truly of God for the body. 
And if it is, we don't want to miss that. That's family mail. Mm. That's really important. He said, but there are other times it's not family mail at all. It's, it's really private mail or junk mail. All right. So we determine who is the right audience for that, that uh, communication. Now, watch how Paul says this again to another church in Greece, church in Thessalonica. He says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but, say it with me, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. How many know this is the junk mail? <laughs> this is the junk mail. You just, just discard it, delete it. But hold on to what is good. Eat the watermelon and spit out the seeds. But he also says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Some people who have been part of a bad experience with this, they say, well, let's forget about doing... How many know the, 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 the solution for wrong use is not disuse, it's scriptural use. Scriptural use of the gifts. And so how can someone quench the spirit or treat prophecies with contempt? Well, maybe they're convicted by it, or maybe they don't like the grammar, or maybe they don't like the way someone articulated something. And so they just, no, no, I'm going to, no, no. He says, listen, he says we are to be discarders of junk mail, but we're to be discerners. We're to be discerners because, God, what are you saying here? What's the essence of what is being said here. Now, when I say what God is saying, I don't mean that that person is speaking on the equivalency of Scripture. As a matter of fact, I have a real problem, and I will correct anyone who says, God told me to tell you, or thus saith the Lord. Hold on, dude. You're walking on dangerous territory. How many know nothing I say is on the equivalency of what God has already said in His Word? How many can say a good amen? God, God doesn't uh, just use a spokesperson today. Listen, I can tell you what I sense the Holy Spirit prompting me to say. Anytime someone comes to tell me, uh, Pastor, God told me this. Or, and I've had sweet, I, I shouldn't say it that way, because I, I'd say 95% of the people over my 40 years who have come to meet with me and said, Pastor, God's speaking to me about this, to tell you this and sometimes they even have it written down, I'll often interrupt them early on and say, do you know what? Don't put me in a position where I have to disobey what the Bible has already said. Because watch this. How many understand, no matter who feels prompted by the Holy Spirit, how many know they're not God? <laughs> There's only one God. And they may be, God may be saying something through them, but I need the, if I'm going to be biblical, what do I have to do? I have to weigh carefully what is said. I have to Test it. Do you see that? So everyone, so just take yourself off the hook there. You know, I remember one, I've had a lady, remember sitting right there at a meeting place. She said, oh, this woman keeps coming to me, telling me God wants me to give her money. <laughs> Do you sort of discern that maybe that's a bit about her? And, and taking advantage of a vulnerable sheep in our church. It reminds me of, uh, don't, you heard this story, but Dr. Len Houghton, he had just finished preaching a message, and this man came up to him at the end of the message, and he said, uh, Pastor, as you were sharing your message, the Holy Spirit told me that you were to give me $50. And Dr. Houghton said, well, that's amazing, because the Holy Spirit knows everything, and the Holy Spirit knows I don't have $50. <laughs> you know, just like, well, anytime it's, listen, discern discern, awaken your discernment. Is it glorifying Jesus and is it helping other people? Amen? And so we look at the audience. We look at accountability. 
And then appropriate time and place. This is, watch this, a Christian can feel something so strongly and feel it's for others, and still they should keep quiet. Look, look at how he says it. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. I don't know how many times I have had a, a where I look back and think I should have said something. Oh God, I, I just know what I should have said, especially in a witnessing situation. I meet someone and I think, uh, how many understand God knows our heart? If you ever have that happen, just say, God, send someone else. If I missed it, send someone else. How many don't, you don't beat yourself up or put yourself on a guilt trip. You trust the Holy Spirit to keep speaking to that person. Amen? And so, you know, even here, someone can feel they have something and it doesn't happen. Don't beat yourself up. Just, it's a, there's an appropriate time and place. And then, number six, affirmation. What's the outcome? Is Jesus glorified? And are people helped? That's a good thing. That's a good affirmation. That's a good outcome. But sometimes, again, we need to distinguish between our own feelings and convictions and what the Holy Spirit is prompting. Listen to me, church family. If I followed every personal prophecy that was made about my life, I would be right now concurrently pastoring Edmonton, Toronto, and Nairobi, Kenya. And I'd be traveling full-time as a speaker in Canada's churches. If I, you know, that, but let me tell you about a time when I was 23 years old and puts a chill down to my spine, all three services, when I tell this story. Esther and I were celebrating it and just remembering it clearly together last night. But there was, um, the, the church, the deacons and the congregation voted virtually unanimously that we would become their pastor in Edmonton. And Craig Pitts, who had, we had been assisting as the senior pastor for two years, was there. After that gathering, uh, one of our young adults came up on this side of the, 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 the church sanctuary and, and said, Pastor Craig, I, I, I just can't go home without saying I feel that the Holy Spirit is wanting to affirm something here. And he said, well, what is it about? And he heard enough of it that he, it rang true to him. He discerned it. And then he gave her the microphone. And that lady said stuff about Keith Smith's life that only God and I knew from when I was a little boy. I was a teenager. I was a young adult about God's calling on my life. She had, we hardly even knew her. She had no way of knowing. But it was pretty unusual for a 23-year-old guy to be, you know, be leading a church in one of our, our Canadian cities. And it was a powerful moment for Keith and Esther Smith and our church family at that time for the Holy Spirit to bring a supernatural affirmation. How many understand? How many understand there's a real thing? <laughs> there's a real, how many want the real thing? You know, I tell people, even about tonight, don't come tonight and say, you know, if you feel, oh, this isn't of God. Listen, if it isn't of God, stay home. But if you're saying, God, if this, if this is of you, I want it. Because as I'm living for you on planet Earth, I need all, how many, you're like Keith Smith, you need all the help from the Holy Spirit that you can get. I do. I need his help. And thank God that when Jesus went to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit. The one that was there at creation to bring life was there when you became a new creation and brought you life, indwelt you, guides you, gives you gifts, all so that you might witness for him and that his church family may be built up. Amen? Hasn't this been a good series? So listen, here we are at the end 
the final weekend of the series. And uh, do you remember how Pastor Jonathan led us into the beginning of this series? He took this box from my office without asking. <laughs> and he, he, uh, he said, here's what I want to invite you to do as your pastor. Here's what I invite you to do. Be open. Just be open. Be open to the Holy Spirit. Guess what I'm going to ask you to do on the final weekend of this series? Be open. Be open. All that we have learned, let's use it, right? Let's, let's multiply gifts. Let's, let's follow the guidelines that the, Paul gives the Corinthian church and the apostles given the New Testament letter. Let's follow those guidelines. But how many say, I want to be open to the Holy Spirit? Can you say a good amen? I want to be open to your spirit. And listen, this is for children. I grew up in a church where I saw people praising. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew the sense of the presence of the Lord. Our children need that. Our teenagers need that. Young adults, this is for you too. Matter of fact, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, you know what, we're, we're very privileged because Joel prophesied that about the days we're in way back when, and here we are privileged to be in the days where Jesus has ascended. His Spirit has now come. And we're in this age. We're in the last days before Christ returns. And he says this to them. He says, he says in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. By the way, I just want to notice in passing that this Pastor Keith Smith is still seeing visions. Which is biblical proof how young I am. Anyway, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh God, make us that church in Toronto and other churches in Toronto. May we be that people that your spirit is at work where when people come among us, they'll be able to say, God is really among you. Because I sense the love of God in this place. More than I see any giftings, I sense a love for the living God in this place. And people are being built up. And all who are looking to Jesus as Savior will be saved. How many would like to go to that church? Amen? Then let's be that church. Let's be that church. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.